Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. And uh, this is pause day. Today, I'm going to be taking the heavy pauses. I'm going to be fooling around with pauses. It's part of the medium. It's what I do here. How are you feeling? Are you okay? Is everything all right? <laughs> what am I doing? Look, the last couple of days I've been doing uh, a junket, a press junket for respect, which means I go to the Four Seasons here in Los Angeles and there and I enter a clusterfuck of media who all converge on the Four Seasons to do the respect press junket. And you just kind of go from room to room. Some of them are on camera. Some of them are print. Some of them are uh, still photos. It's just, it. there's like a hundred outlets. I, I can't even explain it to you. I've done it before. I did it for Glow. I never know what to wear. I've been wearing the same shirt and the same suit for press for a, probably almost a decade now. It's fucking ridiculous. But man, people are getting excited about this movie. Uh, look, today on the show, I talked to a comic, Rick Ingram. Who? Right. I know that some of you may say that, but if you've been to the comedy store, you've certainly seen him. Rick Ingram has been at it for a while, but he's unique in that he, you know, there was a type of comic, and I, I was sort of one of them for a while, where they live at the comedy store. They exist at the comedy store. Their home is the comedy store, and uh, they are part of it. They are an appendage of the comedy store. Now, I don't really know how we'd feel about me saying it like that, but it, it's true. There, There's somebody who is in permanent residence there. And he came out here years ago, and he you know, was, uh, well, he'll tell a story, but I just need you to know that so there are some dudes that live at the comedy store. And, uh, and they're a unique breed. And they've always been there. He's one of the people that's, it's like Jeff Ross. Uh, you know, he's always been in show business. Since the beginning of show business. Rick is sort of like one of those guys. Young guy, though. I'm not trying to make him sound like an old man, but I talked to him. Uh, I want to update you on a story because I think it's very sweet. 
I told you the story about getting the flat tire and uh, when I went down to Dynasty Typewriter to do my Thursday night. It was a story I was with Jerry Stahl. I got a flat. I mean, if you listen to the show, you know what I'm talking about. And there was a couple there. He seemed like a very Italian, Philly, kind of scary. His wife was a fan. He thought he thought I was an asshole. It turns out his name is Dan. Her name is Alexis. And I told you that whole story about you know, him like trying to help me and then me being afraid of him. And he was uh, making a, a skyscraper. They're both from South Philly. His wife is the fan, yada, yada. He was going to help me with the flat tire. Then I came out at the end of the night and his tires have been flattened because he parked in the driveway. It was a convoluted tale. But she sent me one of the nicest thank you notes, like this beautifully hand-printed, handwritten with illustrations she was, she's a big fan of my IG Live, this Alexis woman. Dear Mark, thank you for Thursday night. You were such a gentleman, shaking my hand and speaking with us. You killed on stage. My stomach hurt from laughing for 50 minutes straight. Ah, ha, 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 ha. We know you were having a rough day, broken Sammy vase. You were feeling anxious, i.e. your process, had to prepare for your show, had friends with you, and you had to fix your tire. We sent you a gift for contingency's sake. And even though you can change your own tire, we thought you might like to have the inflator. You can always use it for tires, bike tires, inflatables, for a pool, footballs, etc. They sent me one of those inflators, like you plug it in. It, I, what do they call it exactly? A tire inflator, air compressor. That's what she sent me, Alexis and Dan. What lovely people. She goes on to, she drew pictures of the box and of the, it's, it's sort of, this whole letter is like, it's almost like a, a beautiful sort of illustrated children's book with big, for a grown up for me. What a thoughtful gift. Been pitching the TV show and uh, it looks like someone's going to give us, someone's going to step up. Someone's going to tell us that we can write a script, me and the lip site, who got a lot of exciting juice. Those website stories from uh, James Murphy the other day, huh? What about it? Talked to Rick Rubin the other day. That'll be coming up. Everything's, nothing's okay out there. The fascists are coming. The fires are coming. The future is wobbly for everybody. The disease is kind of pestering. It's not going away. I've had to push back idiots who just resurfaced from my moments in my life. You ever have one of those guys, you don't really know him that well, but at some point, like 30 years ago, you gave him your phone number and you haven't changed the phone number and every so often they just pop in and you got to deal with whatever stage they are at in their fucking life and whatever they're thinking, but you don't really know them. But 30 years ago, you gave him your phone number. You might've talked to him a couple of times. They might've glommed. Somehow, they might have been peripherally involved in your life or what you do, but now you don't know what the fuck they do or who the fuck they are, and all of a sudden they're texting their opinions about why vaccines are bullshit. Oh, this got specific all of a sudden. Yeah, I had to block that guy because whatever he thinks, I don't have to fucking deal with it. I don't have to fucking engage that guy. What, I, I don't know that person. What, just because I met you? 30 years ago and we had words we're fucking friends I don't think so and yeah it's good luck and I wish you well 
spreading the word that can bring more death into the world. Good for you. You're doing the, the Lord's work, stranger. Guy who I gave my phone number to and maybe had a meal with once, twice, in 33 years. Leave me the fuck alone. I get it. I know where you stand. You stand with the dummies. So look, Rick Ingram is a comedy store fixture. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's a great comic, crowd working dude, uh, unique, but he's always there. And uh, he's the host of the Comedy Store podcast, which you can check out wherever you get your podcasts. Also, before I forget, Dark Fonzie 6 is up now. Dean Del Rey and myself are doing the Dark Fonzies. Couple a month. It's a good chat. We've got a good rapport. Easy listening. So that's Dark Fonzie 6 from me and Dean Del Rey. The Comedy Store podcast from Rick Ingram. And this is me talking to Rick Ingram here in the garage. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called the Foxed page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. I've been meditating. You? I no, never, <laughs> never. You never even thought to? No, it's uh, I don't I don't want to be at peace. No, <laughs> that's when I'm at my worst. I I I think I used to think that, but the thing is, is like you know what? It, even if you did meditate, you're not gonna. It's still gonna be angry, not, right? Yeah. The moment you come out of that yeah, zen, you're yeah. like, oh, but that, still... that doesn't mean it doesn't do something. That's it might true. not be about peace, but it might be about being able to quiet down your brain when necessary. I mean, that sounds all right. It's like a muscle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, how do I, you know, uh, why am I sitting here, furious? about some other comics bit that has nothing to do with me but is wrong-minded in in its entirety. It's insulting to what we do is the reason why. I get I get angrier about yeah. comedians bits more than anything in the world where I'm just like that's not even funny. Why is the crowd <laughs> laughing at well, that? Well, there's that. I uh, you know, I've grown over the years, my many decades in this business of watching comics kill who I'm like am I not understanding the tone? Is <laughs> How, how does this not, and eventually he's sort of like, well, who am I to judge? You know, what, yeah. ma- what makes me laugh, really? Yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been happening, uh, it's been coming back. You know, I was able to shut that off, just in terms of the need to be diplomatic and not be a total dick. Okay. You're, you're trying to... 
No, I think I was for a while. No, I, I don't. I mean, you definitely seem more pleasant. Um, but I, I just I felt like it was probably due to uh, yeah you know not seeing everyone for a long time. It, I, no, no, it's a decision. But actually, now I'm more pleasant. But uh, but there's more of that kind of like what the fuck is that guy doing? Yeah. It, it's coming back that tone and saying it to people. Truth is positivity. That's how I look at it. Mm. If if that was what you were feeling at that moment, then it would have been wrong to say anything else. I or but there's the choice of like. Is it necessary to say that? Well, I mean, it, it depends on how yeah. you feel. I think it is. And yeah. Listen, I've been I've been burning bridges in this industry as yeah. long as I've been in this industry. Well, yeah. How long has it been? I mean, like I'm trying to think when I, I first met you. You were like a child. You were yeah. like a like a, a a child at the comedy store. Yeah, I, that I, showed up abandoned. You ba- were... Basically, yeah. I, yeah, I was uh, I was 21 <laughs> when I showed up there. It was uh, what two, year? 2000, beginning of uh, end of 2002. Really, it's yeah. been that long. I've been there that long. Cause that's oh Jesus. Okay, so that was right when I sort of came back. Yeah, you. I was there for maybe a year and a half, or maybe two years before you started coming around. Were you a door guy? I was. Yeah, I started. I did the open mic, and it was just a. I mean, it was a clusterfuck of insanity. I'm trying to. I like. I don't know that time. So where do where do you come from? I'm from Kansas City. Uh, oh, that's right, Kansas originally, City. Originally, I'm uh, Missouri or or Kansas. I'm from the suburbs of Kansas. Um, so I grew up in a, a nice suburb and uh, with nice parents. Yeah, got great parents. Really, super nice, super brothers supportive. and sisters. Older brother, three younger sisters. That many. Yeah, religious people in Kansas. Lots of them. We we weren't. Oh, that's good. But um, yeah, I was raised by, you know, some of the few liberals. In really, Kansas. progressive people, creative people. Yeah, supportive people. Yeah, uh-huh. very supportive. When I still. Yeah. Okay. That more so now, honestly. Uh, now that I don't need anything from them, they're even more supportive. They're like, but, phew. Yeah, hello. Okay. This you did it. All right. You did all right. <laughs> I um, guess you're okay. Yeah. They, uh, you know, there was four kids until I was in high school. My yeah. parents had the surprise fifth kid, the, the oh, sitcom. Really? These these actors are getting too old. We need to introduce a new character. Kid. <laughs> if we want to keep this show on the air, yeah, so, we better get another one. Um, so, so you yeah. were in high school when they had one? Uh, yeah, I was uh, a junior in high school when my How, how baby old was sister your mom? Was, was it a miracle? Yeah, yeah. Mom was 40 or 41, oh. um, but a cancer survivor and wow. had already had done radiation and chemo. And, You're not supposed to have kids when you have that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently she was told uh, you know, she went through early menopause. Yeah. And so she was like, yeah, you can't have any go, more kids. Right. And then, go ahead. Party. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> mom and dad were handling business, I guess, still. So four kids in the house couldn't slow that down. But, yeah, um, yeah so surprise. Is it nice when you know that they're handling business? I mean, it's it, sort of a relief in a way. I, I, don't, I don't think it's awkward where you're like, you guys are, God, how could you not continue to do that if you're able uh, yeah i remember people being like oh does it does that freak you out and being like no i i would hope <laughs> yeah that hope the folks are still fucking yeah what else is there that's, what else is there that's truly my greatest passion is to make sure all the folks are still fucking <laughs> how old's your brother uh he's a year and a half older than me what'd that guy end up doing uh, he just works a regular job. Like regular person job? Yeah, normal human In Kansas? Being. Yep. Yeah? Yeah, he's got a family. Nice guy? 
really nice dude wow yeah i mean you know bullied the shit out of me as a kid but was he a football player no no uh, he, he played he played baseball until high school and then yeah he was just a normal and what job what job did your like dad do uh dad was a corporate lawyer and oh. mom was a teacher oh so you, you grew up nicely yeah yeah i, I mean <laughs> it's it's disturbing that i'm able to be funny at all that's good i, th- I thought you were like a runaway uh, listen <laughs> I had plans in in all truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I read a bunch of books and watched a bunch of movies and stuff when I was growing up. And yeah. I'm like, I had a plan ready to run away. Yeah. I'm like, as soon as shit starts going bad. And then it just kept being good. Really? When, it, yeah, when, when did that plan start to manifest? Like you were like, what, 10, 11? Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, you know what? That seems pretty cool. You know, that guy's living in a carved out tree. <laughs> You know, one of these days, my parents are going to get really mad at me. They're going to yell, and that's yeah. when I'm hitting the highway. And, yeah, and finding that tree. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do comedy in high school? Uh, n- the first time I did comedy was, I did it once in high school. at uh, I was vice president of my school. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. What, what, how the, how the, did you get so fucking broken? Um, it, it happened. <laughs> it got there. <laughs> I just always disliked humanity, I think. And yeah. so uh, I grew up, most of the people I knew were very religious, like they Christians. And, yeah. Um, you know, I've never believed in anything. So, so well, Kansas is sort of one of those places where, you know, in the very near future, most progressives and good people, uh, rational people, will leave. Yeah. Like, uh, there's going to be this sort of balkanization of the Midwest, and, you know, there's just not enough good people to, to, to support it, and they can only hang on to that so much. But but our towns, it's, like, it's not going to matter. Yeah. You've got to leave or get more good people there, because it's no good. I, I feel like they just they, they just accept that if they can just find, like, 10 good people. Well, I think that's what life, most of us good. do, but I don't, know, I don't know what the solution is, because some of those places where... It, what's sad to me is, like... Even if fascism takes over, most people are going to be like, I'm okay, though. I mean, it's not really, if I'm you, okay. If you don't change people's lives that much, they'll never care. No, they're just sort of like, what is it? When Fascism when? Yeah. Now they, it's happening. They don't even know what that means. No, they, of course not. It's just like, well, I can still go to the store. Right, like, yeah. The, the scaredest I saw America was those first like four weeks of the COVID lockdown. Yeah. And then people were like, well, what do we, do we, we can't that? wipe our ass? Yeah, we yeah. Can't, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All we can eat is yeah. is the uh, low carb vegan pasta. <laughs> There's no, you can't even get that shitty whole grain really? pasta. The panic around paper products. People were freaking out. It was spectacular. I, you know, I was telling uh, Dean Del Rey, yeah, like maybe a week ago, you were crushing in uh, the main room, and I said, man, he is fucking killing it right now, and I don't know if he's any different or if the rest of the world just finally <laughs> understands like it's actually not that great yeah <laughs> everything right. is actually kind of shitty yeah a little bit and that's why every time people are like dude you're so negative no one says it anymore yeah people is, is like, that yeah. true yeah i haven't i haven't had one person the, a, the parking lot guy one night when you and i pulled in at the same time oh right, right. said something about oh the two most negative people here and we immediately gave him the fucking business <laughs> But, but it's like I don't hear it anymore. People are just like, yeah, things yeah. are kind of shitty. They, they caught up. Yeah, finally. Yeah, the negative people are, are have found their time. Well, it's, it feels like that, man. Watching these people, you know, like really, we're we're just going to go right back to your wife as a problem. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> for ten minutes. Well, that was a, I was going to say earlier about. It's not so much that I feel that anyone's committing a crime against our 
business or because comedy really for the most part the the person that was inspired or or actually spoke truth to power or or did anything uniquely uh interesting was was the rarity most most people are kind of -of run-of-the-mill b-room headliners yeah uh for in the history of comedy and there were thousands of them yeah always yeah oh yeah but but what happens to me when I'm sitting in those rooms? It's like you have 15 minutes. This is what we're doing with five. Yeah. This the, <laughs> the thing that always bothered me, and I think it's part of what made me do what I do, which a lot of people hate, was I, when I worked at the comedy store. I worked f- six nights a week, and so I back then there was no one there. It would be like 10 people in the crowd, and I watched the same comics do the same 10 minutes, or same 15 minutes every night. Well, you, Five nights a week, yeah, and I, I I'm just just so like, dumbfounded happening? by it. why why, why are, would you do that? Are we in a time glitch? Yeah, I just this yeah. this hasn't worked yet. You're not working <laughs> it out. They're not. It's not like they're adjusting how they're performing it. They're just doing the same shitty 15 minutes well, the, with the same beats and the same yeah, like uh, like an automaton. Yeah, I know. Like eventually they thought the you know what it is? It's the crowd every night. Sure, of course. I mean, I've gotten committed to lines that don't work because I enjoy them and they're throwaway lines and but I'm I'm not going to move them, but it, they're that's not the the whole joke isn't hinging on them. And the, yeah, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm no, talking I know. About, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Full bits. Full bits. Yeah. There's sometimes like like sometimes like I well, let's uh, let's go back. So you're you're in Kansas City because I think that you you know, you're a guy. You are a true product of the store, and you uh, and yeah. you choose to stay on the shelf there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really have any other option. Right. One of my one of my worst qualities uh, in this industry is yeah. I can't I can't hang out right. somewhere if I don't have a spot. Yeah. I can't hang out there. No, I, I can't either. When people are like, "Dude, you should go to the Improv," and yeah. I'm like, "I don't I don't want to go there." They give me a spot like three times a year. It's always at twelve thirty at night. There's yeah, always like what are you do seven that? people. Yeah. And it sucks. It's and terrible. I, if they gave me great spots, then I'd do it. But I'm yeah. not going to just go to comedy clubs and hang out. Look, I know what it's like to, you know, there's nothing wrong with living at the store. Yeah. I mean, I literally live there. You know, I mean, not <laughs> yeah. not, not as long as, as you've been there. But I mean, I think that you are the last of, you know, that system. Because that yeah. system's gone. Yeah. You know, and when you got there... It seemed like it was still weirdly in place. Like she was still kind she of was still active. around. Yeah. So how do you leave Kansas in a huff? Did you go to college? Did what happened? Uh, I went to uh, I went to film school. My, you did. My original dream was to to be a film director. Right. I, I still would love to do that. I have no ability to do that. But but, but maybe that's just maybe maybe I don't. Know it could it could happen. Uh, well, it's gonna but, you're gonna have to apply some will to it. Sure. It's not gonna like oh my god it's happening. Well, like I thought. Uh, you know, it was the 90s, yeah. so, you know, people just still push that you can do anything. Sure. And uh, Some people still believe that. You know, the one I can't stand is like, if you work hard, you'll be a success. No, no, you'll, you'll, you do, you'll be effective. Yeah, you but can it, get work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like, you can get work if you work hard. Yeah, that's well, what you can do. Right. You're you going to have to make connections with someone at some point. That, but it's like, if you... It's like, it was upsetting me yesterday where it's sort of like, you know, this idea, like, because you're possessed 
by the demon of comedy. You've chosen to do, uh, you know, improvisation and sort of fly by the seat of your pants, which is ultimately the best rush of what we do, you sure. know? Um, but, you know, some people just think like, you know, if I just kind of work hard and keep working and, you know, if I really kind of like put this amount of time in, you know, I deserve to be rewarded. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Because you know, at some point, if you have undeniable talent and you don't kill yourself, eventually someone will come someone around. Someone will see it, right. But if you just do a good job, there's plenty of people that do a good job. Yeah, I think a, a lot of, uh, I call it uh, in the mirror comedy, Yeah, which I think is like 80% of comedians. It's like they came up with a bit. Yeah. They, they could do it in a mirror. Right. Get it perfect how they want to say it, and right. then they do it on stage. Yeah. Like most comedians aren't funny. Yeah. Like if you talk to them off stage, you're like, oh, that kind of, that kind of <laughs> shitty. You yeah, know, they're yeah. typically bad people, but like uh, they're just not that interesting. But they uh, they learn a skill. Right. That's true. That's it. it. And it is like a for five or six years, if you work really hard at it, you can learn how to be a comedian. And it's 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 that that whole element of it annoys me. Yeah. That, but but it's it's always been true, you know. Like, and I think that some of the people that I, that I I think are not as funny, or the, you would think they aren't funny off stage. I've seen people who who I thought just were never going to get the hang of it or weren't funny uh, get funny uh, because really it was about people not understanding they're funny. It, you know, it wasn't, they weren't just joke machines. They just didn't know how to do it any other way. You look at someone like Todd Barry, Nate Bargatze, you know, like they're not going to change gears. Right. Either eventually people, Jeff Ross was like that too. I couldn't, he was always kind of successful, but you know, watching him was like watching fucking paint dry before he became an insult guy. Right. Like when he was Jeff Lifschultz and he had hair, it was sort of That like, was a what thing? Is, yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even know about that. What, that his name was Jeff Lifschultz? That, that he or, had hair? Yeah. Oh yeah, he had a full Jersey mullet. Wow. Back when he started. We were all younger, but I just couldn't understand. He was one of those guys. I'm like, what are they? I don't understand. What is, why is this guy successful? Uh, yeah, I, I still have moments where I wonder. <laughs> Anyways, despite all that, um, all right, so you wanted to be, right. I wanted to be a, a director. Right. Um, so f my first year at college, I went to film school, small film school in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I grew up in New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, I went to the College of Santa Fe. Huh. which is uh, now defunct. It's one of the only colleges I've ever heard of that went bankrupt and no longer exists. During COVID or just in no, general? No, uh, about 10 years ago, something like that. Uh, I didn't even know there was a... I knew that St. John's was up there. Yeah, that was that was our quote-unquote rival, I guess. But the uh, philosophy school? Yeah, we uh, they were just these two small kind of liberal arts yeah. school. The College of Santa Fe was like... They had film, theater, a couple other things. Was it like more like a summer camp? It, I mean, it felt it, it felt really bizarre. It was smaller than my high school. Yeah, and um, it, the teachers I just hated. They were like super artsy and oh yeah. Um, were they like locals? Did probably they, they, no big names. I've never heard of any of them outside yeah. of there. What did you take? What did you have to take? Um, it was all just like these introductory film classes. But like, did you have to do other liberal arts things? Uh, I, I took an English class yeah. that was uh, amazing. Teacher was pretty crazy. Like I remember the first day being like, I think I think she's on mushrooms. <laughs> and then like maybe two months into the semester, she just didn't show up. Yeah. And we were like, all right. So we hung out of class for 10 minutes and left and went back on the Wednesday wasn't there really missed like a solid three weeks no and, explanation no explanation and no one did anything no one did anything college didn't care everyone huh. was just like whatever yeah 
And so after uh, after like three or four weeks, someone I, I stopped going, and someone was like, "Hey, uh, I can't even remember what her actual name was, like Ms. Davis or something, yeah. really normal." Yeah. They said she's back. Yeah. And so the, the following uh, Monday or whatever it was, I I went to class, yeah. and she was there and just all trippy and really. She was like, uh, "So everyone, I want." I want everyone to call me Marmica from now on. Marmica? Marmica. That uh-huh. was, that's what she wanted. So that's what she uh, figured out over those three that's, weeks. Yeah. And, and she told, I, so I, someone goes, uh, wh- where have you been? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry for my absence. I was at the fair. The fair. Just no idea what that meant. <laughs> no fair that anyone could figure out was anywhere nearby. I, I like that as a general answer for mysterious absence. <laughs> for where were you? Weeks. For weeks. That was at the fair. Was at the fair. Like, Which oh, fair? No. Yeah, well, <laughs> the fair. <laughs> the, the fair? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I had that class. I had some bullshit social science class. It was like yeah. we learned about nonsense. Right. Um, what about the actual film study? The film study was, uh, uh, according to the other people who I became friends with that stayed there, by their senior year, they got to work on projects, uh-huh. but there was no actual film stuff being done other than just basically film hist- history class yeah, where yeah, they're yeah. showing us movies and, yeah. you know, oh, here's uh, Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Take a look at the Zoom. That's the first time anyone ever Zoomed. Yeah, the deep like, focus. Yeah, you're like, okay. Deep focus. I probably saw Citizen Kane six times and yeah. each time they were trying to claim that there was something else about it that was sure. amazing there is yeah and, and i remember being like okay this is a cool film yeah and i'm not learning anything by watching this i've seen this film <laughs> i want to make films i watched this because other yeah. people were like hey you should watch this and kane but um so i did that for uh, a year watch citizen kane watch citizen kane for a year <laughs> yeah uh i remember i had uh this one crazy teacher who uh, made us do like this four week yeah. uh, project on costume design or something. I want everyone to make a an alien costume. Yeah. And I just remember being like, this is dumb. And yeah. I, I made some shitty costume out of, you know, poster board or whatever it was. And I yeah. remember her being like, this is unimaginative. And what you're doing is taking ideas from other uh, alien costume creators and just being like, I don't, I don't want to make alien <laughs> costumes. What? How does this fucking help me? I want to make a movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be the costume you person. Hack alien costume oh, maker. And, and looking back, she was a hundred percent right. <laughs> you just but, lifted some classic inspiration. Yeah, it's like every from garbage aliens. <laughs> every, from, every dog alien that exists now in every film yeah, is you, the same you, shit. You and just they stole it from me. Yeah, you just and I stole it from the best. <laughs> Recaptured the box alien. <laughs> it was from the robot. So it was ridiculous. You dropped out. I dropped out, and then I transferred to University of Kansas because I could get in. Yeah, is, yeah. There, is there is there anything good about Kansas? Um, not I'm, really. I mean, like I think I've driven through there, you know, and I think I've uh, I don't think I've ever performed there. But like, is there something like uh, like Kansas City? Is it sort of like oh, you got to well, they got the ribs, right? But Barbecue. That's, that's I mean, that's the main thing is food. Kansas City, Kansas, but Kansas City, Missouri, it's different. It's different. I mean, it's basically the same, but there's just a state line that goes down. The, the city was created before there were states, so oh, so it's on both sides. Yeah, it's a, a river. Oh, that's right. Okay, the Missouri yeah. River basically splits the right. the city. Right. So and I have then, been there, and I've had this conversation before. I have done a show in Kansas City. 
Is that where Arthur Bryant is? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I performed there. It was okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's, I, I did you a know. theater of some kind. I did all right. Yeah, to st- standard Midwestern city. That's right. Um, That's what it is. Standard Midwestern city. It's okay. Not No one's downtown ever. No. And, they're, uh, they're trying really hard to make it. That's every Midwestern city. Yeah, they're all trying like, to get we people. rebuilt it. Yeah. It's now the Power and Light District. And you're like, you, you got the power company to sponsor your cool downtown area? We built the Sprint Center. You're like, but we don't have a pro team to play in there. What are you What are we using it for? They'll come. Yeah. If you build it, they'll come. That's we worked exactly, hard. When they built it, that's what they said. We're going to attract an NHL or an NBA team. And they never showed? Everyone was like, we're good. <laughs> I remember the last NBA basketball game I went to yeah. was before the, the Kings moved out of Kansas City in like 86. Yeah. And I haven't gone to a game since. Whenever people are like, you ever go to a Lakers game? I'm like, no. All right, so you go back to Kansas City, you go to college. Yeah, I went to college. Uh, and at this point, are you like, fuck this, fuck life, yeah. fuck you? I, I was already, I was disheartened the moment I had to go back to Kansas. Did you like Santa Fe, though? It's nice. I right? love Santa Fe. Yeah, uh, the, nice. the school was worthless and was way too expensive to... Yeah. I mean, how'd like, you choose that fucking school, dude? They they showed up at my high school. Oh, you did one of those college fairs? No, they I I, I took you know the standardized tests or whatever it was, and I had marked on there that uh, film and cinematography were yeah. of interest. Yeah, and the College of Santa Fe obviously were sending reps out to yeah. gather foolish middle Americans that yeah. didn't know any better. Right, and. Uh, so I, I got called to the office in high school my senior year, yeah. and they said, yeah, this college recruiter wants to meet with you. And You're getting recruited by a small liberal arts college because you like movies. Because I, I marked that this, I like cinematography. This guy seems like a <laughs> you know, top movie-like. Yeah. Hey. Like we could draft this movie guy. The guy likes movies. And apparently, this guy has good grades and is interested in movies. He's <laughs> but, the only one. He's our draft choice. Yeah. What's <laughs> Talk to the principal. Yeah. I was, I, How can we get this kid? The kid that likes movies. We we need we need him. <laughs> this is gonna set us on the right path. <laughs> and then it's like all these weird like Annie Letterman went to college there. She did? Yeah. She Annie actually graduated Letterman? from there. She graduated from that college in College of Santa Fe. And look, look how well she's done. Yeah, so many big names come you out. You both of there. have filthy mouths. <laughs> yeah. you, if you if you would have stayed the whole four years, you would have been dirtier. We both we both started partying. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got out of. Did you know her there? No, no. Uh, she is she older than you? Younger? She's younger than me by a few years. Mm. And I, uh, she I think started I knew a, that about her. I'm sh- I'm sure we talked about that. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've met a number of people who were like, yeah, I went there for a year. Like, you know, yeah, that's the plan. Well, so it was one of those schools where you didn't need to have grades, really. No. You it, just need to have a little bread you need and a little willingness. Money. Yeah. I went to one of those uh, liberal arts colleges. We had a, it was primarily like sort of, you know, upper middle class kids who were not living up to their potential, but they had a, a, a very, uh, a seriously good program for dyslexics. So it was this weird mixture of, Stoner Jewish kids from Long Island, and you know, to earnest dyslexic people. Nice. We're That's trying to combo. figure out, figure out how That's to it. Function. Right itself. <laughs> can't even read this guy. <laughs> we both can't, but I'm just high. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was weird. It was a lot of rich kids. I saw people shoot heroin wow. for the first time. I remember when I first saw someone shooting up. Yeah, the I, vomiting right after was uh, that put the kibosh on it for me. I, so does that always happen? The vomiting, I'm out. Yeah, that doesn't seem like fun. Yeah, yeah. I got into vomiting much later due to unchecked diabetes. Uh, <laughs> oh no! But 
yeah, I, I like maybe the second week I was at college. It just seemed like you, in order to drink and vomit, you had to put a lot more work in. You really got to drink a lot. Yeah, it yeah. seems like if if the heroin is is just okay, yeah, you might be able to vomit. Yeah, just oh, by yeah, doing exactly. a little bit with one little bit. Yeah, it's just the the shock to the system. I like to earn my vomit. Me too. Yeah. I want to put in the effort. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I walked into the, you know, I, I lived in the dorm and I yeah. walked into the little common bathroom area there's like three stalls or whatever yeah. and there was just a dude on the floor puke all over the place Ugh. needle Did he die? on the ground no i like i basically shook him awake and he was trying to tell me that he was he, okay he was just sick that's what he kept saying I'm like dude there's a needle on the floor <laughs> and, no i'm just sick <laughs> dude the, uh, all right man you have your belt around your arm uh, what do you what why are you lying to me i don't give a fuck i'm just trying to figure out why i can't take a shit because yeah, you're, you're laying across three stalls <laughs> why are you shooting up in the bathroom why don't you shoot up in your dorm room it's like it's across a, the hall it was training he was trained to shoot up in bathrooms when he's he out knew. you know yeah you, you go to a stall yeah you go to, you close the you door do. you don't lock it yeah. <laughs> that way when you slump off the toilet of this glamorous lifestyle yeah uh, yeah, so I, I just remember being like, whoa, I, sh I should start drinking. That's yeah. what I remember thinking. I was oh, yeah. like, I this need is, to start drinking. I need to do I something, but this isn't it. I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to build up to it. I'll start with pot and alcohol and work my way there. Did you hit a wall with that shit, or you just, you've always been able to manage it? With what? Booze? Uh, I, I, I drank considerably yeah. throughout the early 2000s. Yeah. I quit when I found out I was diabetic. So, all right, so how long do you stay at the University of Kansas? I stayed at the University of Kansas for two years. Um, again, went to a film, they have a film school. Mm. It's completely pointless. Yeah. It was basically just a film history degree. Um, well, I mean, apparently, you know, like you, you wanted more of a, a you, you wanted to at least be able to shoot a movie. I, I should have just gone to like one of these LA right, right, right. things, intense year and a to half learn two years so you can yeah you can yeah. you can Language, you learn camera language. work and yeah just you know basically worked for someone for free for get, a couple years get a pa job yeah i think is what people do so you didn't finish college no you and just decided to come to los angeles i i, I started doing stand-up when i was in college oh. at, at ku i started going to stanford and sons in kansas city from 2000 to 2008 ish i would hang out at the comedy store almost every night and i would get pretty drunk and by the, about two hours in i would just turn into drunk argus hamilton that was what i would do <laughs> that was your bit that was my shtick that's how i, I kind of remember it that's yeah. how i became friends with some of the older comics like i did it to charlie hill and then he was like well this is the best <laughs> and he, he'd laugh so hard remember how hard charlie hill would laugh yeah, you could yeah. just hear it for miles and so anytime someone would, would be up there he'd be like get over argus come yeah. talk to so-and-so yeah, yeah. oh hey buddy good to see you <laughs> And I was always hammered. <laughs> I never knew what year it was. I remember. So, all right. So after Stanford and Sons, you do your residency. You get your $20. <laughs> yeah. Who do you open for? How? Like, because that, usually that's a time when you're, you're in your hometown still. Like, I did some gigs after I fucking got all fucked up on Coke, you know, at the comedy store before I knew how, you know, the business worked. But, like, I remember, like, I opened for when I went back to Albuquerque for, like, Jeff Foxworthy before he had the redneck hook. Right. Guy named Jimmy Woodard. Who was like, I don't know what happened to that guy. But yeah. it's sort of like you start to see how the job works. Who did you see when you know when you were hosting? Um, I saw uh Tracy Morgan was the biggest name that came through there. Yeah, what um, about some of the non names? 
Do you um, remember them? God. Like what were they like? Just B room headliner kind of guys? Yeah, th- there was uh, James Inman. Yeah, was a, a guy who what was, was he from Seattle, right, or Portland somewhere? He was an angry kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Did he, the Stanhope uh, uh, yeah. spectrum? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did, he was doing like uh, he had a thing then called the Greyhound Diaries, where it was like a slideshow comedy show ah. where he traveled around America on a Gimmick. Greyhound. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. it, it was like it, it was different enough. Like when he would do the random shows throughout the week, it was always yelling about uh, how we got to take over the local radio station, right? Because they keep playing. Uh, 38 special yeah and yeah, yeah. right we're gonna play no fx and whatever it was right all right. punk rock shit there's a whole sort of uh bunch of guys that kind of there's not many of them but the the people that were born out of hicks you know have a sort of def- definition of you know they get very yeah. angry about bad rock music <laughs> yeah yeah they do yeah, I, I, you know, he was. Yeah. I honestly, I always thought he was funny. He is. He yeah. was very angry. Yeah. But um. Yeah. You know that that was kind of one of the local guys. He would he had, he was local in Kansas City at that point. So oh, I'd see there? him. Uh, I'd see him a few times a month at least. He's one of those guys where I'm like, he was a, you know kind of like made a little noise for a minute a while back, and I'm like, I don't know what happens to those guys. Yeah, that's where he is, huh? Kansas City. Kansas where he City. get end up with a woman? Yeah, I think so. And, and I honestly don't really know what he's up to. I just know he's still in Kansas City. I see him posting. Uh huh. Um, he's very political minded. Sure. Everyone's an idiot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was doing that. I still was living, uh, at KU, um, walked in on my girlfriend fucking another dude and said, all right, it's time to make a move. <laughs> you that's, that's really what shattered me into being, uh, you literally walked at him, literally walked in and she was in the middle of it. She was, he was pounding that thing out and, uh, wow. and he was a dude I knew, a friend of mine. What what did they do? The they stopped and yeah. uh, he he kind of rolled off of her and yeah. they looked at me like oh shit yeah and I I just remember being like what the fuck is going on yeah um I remember the visual of it to me is still that he had a pretty large penis right and being sure. like this is yeah. disturbing yeah and um yeah and then. Uh, it was all the worst things that could happen. Every every nightmare you could yeah, imagine. They're going at it. They stop. Yeah. They look at you. Dick is huge. Dick is huge. Still and, erect. Yeah. Uh, and 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 there's nothing they can really say. No. No. Yeah. And then then uh, yeah. Then I just remember uh, there was a lot of shouting. Dude left obviously. And then yeah. There was a lot you of yelling. You two work this out. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> listen. We have some things to talk about. <laughs> uh. Yeah. We we fought. And then uh, at some yeah. point, there's a knock on the door, yep. and uh, I answered the door, and it was uh, the dude's roommate, who was also a guy we he's, knew. Yeah, the guy did I he leave his dick from. here? He said he left his dick here. <laughs> he literally was like, is he here? And I go, no, he's not here, man. What the fuck do you want? And he was like, our house is on fire. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> and then I remember, for, there was like 30 minutes where I was fully convinced, like, I did that with my rage. <laughs> this is an amazing moment. It created something within me. <laughs> I'm powerful. Yeah, I'm going uh, to Los Angeles. Yeah, this is the time to strike. <laughs> but, and I do remember once I was out here just being like, uh, being very thankful that I moved out here at rock bottom. Yeah. Because it's tough when you're first out here. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. Uh, that first major heartbreak, uh, you, you had no real skills. None whatsoever. And, uh, I was but, an impressionist. 
I did impressions. That you was did? what my comedy was. Yeah. When you were hosting at Stanford and yeah. Sons, you were doing who were who I wanted were you? to be on Saturday Night Live. That was my my dream. Well, that then. was the next so film direction is gonna have to put on hold. I, I figured I would get famous from a solid three or four year run on Saturday Night Live. And then and then I could just make take your own over, do my own thing. Yeah. What what who were the impressions of? I did George Bush, mm-hmm. George W. Bush. Yeah. Um uh, I did an uh, impression of Warwick Davis, uh, mm-hmm. the the midget from the movie Willow. Okay. That was, uh, for that some was kind reason- of like I, a left field impression. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was really funny. Yeah. And most of the time the crowd was like, who's he doing an impression of? <laughs> and that's how you know you're really doing a good Too one. Too esoteric. <laughs> yeah. Too esoteric. The um, little guy from the- All right. I did, uh, I did impressions of- uh, Dirty Seinfeld. That oh, was right. Sure, that sure. was a pretty Seinfeld hacky stick. I yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they, none of them were in any way really good. No dice. No. Mm. I was uninfluenced by dice until yeah. he took me on the road, and I wasn't really influenced. But that was like my first time being introduced to dice comedy. It was like two thousand and three. Yeah, you just become a, an appendage. Yeah. 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 We're uh, going to eat. Yeah. I think I'm going to stay my... Come on! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it was. <laughs> he, he was super nice to me, and he'd yeah. always invite me to things. I remember once he was like, hey, we're having a Hanukkah party. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, you got to come. Yeah. So I went, and I got yeah. there, and it was just me. And he was like, it's Hanukkah dinner. <laughs> I said, what, why am I here? He's like, if I told you it was Hanukkah dinner, you wouldn't have come. I'm like, yeah, that's true. It was just me and him and his sons and Eleanor. Eleanor was his girlfriend at the yeah. time. Uh, well, that's so, nice. Yeah, it was nice. He was always really he, nice to me. He, I think he's just he is an odd a man. Nice guy. At he heart. is. You know, once you get past the whatever, the shtick. Yeah, yeah. Great dad. I yeah, remember he, being he, like, wow, he's he, he does seem to have stability, and he seemed to have his hold held on to his money, and he yeah, and, you know, I, he was, uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, like a good Jewish guy. Yeah, you know, loyal guy. People like. Uh, Morning radio people would always get mad when they would, you know, I'd be doing a show somewhere back when I could get booked random places and they'd be like, I see you open for Andrew Dice Clay, you know, I, I saw him at a gym once and he was really rude and blah, blah, blah. You know, is he kind of a dick? And I'd be like, no, he's a nice dude to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's probably a dick to random people who talk to him at a gym. <laughs> In in Tampa or wherever, like it wouldn't be. Yeah. Hey, dice. <laughs> hey, hickory dickory, right? Yeah. Like, I'm doing my workout. <laughs> uh, every time I'm back, he's actually a pretty pretty good guy. They'd always be like, okay, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, no I dirt. See. You're not gonna play along. <laughs> so, all right, wait. So you get out here and and uh, you're heartbroken and fucked up. So how do you end up at the store? What have What is that? Um, before what's your what's your fucking store story? How do you get in there? <laughs> Uh, before uh, before my girl cheated on me, yeah. she, uh, me and her had decided we were going to move to L.A. or New York. That was the goal. So we came out over Christmas break from, uh, I think, sophomore year of college or something. I was 20. Yeah. And uh, we just stayed with a buddy of mine's family who lived out in Redondo. Yeah. And uh, my buddy uh, Dave, his dad is one of those guys who's like- Redondo. Yeah, they lived in Redondo Beach. Yeah. His dad's one of those guys who just thinks he always has the right connection to everything. Sure. Yeah. And so I told him, you know, I want to do comedy. I want to look at the comedy clubs. And and uh, he said, oh, well, you know, my business partner's son is a, a comedy manager and maybe he can hook you up. I yeah. was like, yeah, cool, man. Yeah. So he told me, all right, he, his son said to meet one of his clients at the comedy store 
in West Hollywood, and uh, so I went and met this guy named a uh, black comic named Freeze Love. Yeah, and sure. I guess he was opening for Eddie Griffin or something uh-huh. at the time. Um, so he met me up there, and then I got there early, and I was only twenty, and yeah. they wouldn't let me in. And so I was like, well, this sucks. Yeah. And uh, then Freeze Love got there, and he was like, man, this is the comedy store, and there aren't no, there's no rules. Yeah. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and so he walked back to the same door guy, who I believe was Caparillo. Yeah. And uh, he was like, hey, he's with me. And he's just like, okay. And then we just walked in, <laughs> went up, watched the show in the belly room. I love it. Back. Like, there was that time where, where comics were at all the doors. It was like, they, no one's going to put their ass on the line for Hell anything. no. He's just like, all right. Yeah, yeah. When I worked the back door, they, yeah. it was anyone who wanted to go in, you're yeah. in. Yeah. I'm okay. Not, yeah. yeah gonna... Harris Pete used to yell at me all the time. Why aren't you checking? Uh, did, did, did you even send them to the front? Yeah. There's no one there. Who cares? <laughs> one guy wants to stand in the back. What does it matter? Harris Pete holding the line of the old guard of doormen. So mad. Yeah, the greatest Harris Pete performance I ever watched was him telling Jeff Garland that he needs to go up front and pay at the front. <laughs> and Jeff Garland, like, I'm on the marquee. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know who you are. You got to go up front. <laughs> Just be like, he's literally stopping that, that was the right. biggest celebrity at the comedy store. Yeah, but someone who should pay it up front. Most likely. <laughs> We're gonna get him fired. Like he's worked here for a thousand years. You're not gonna get oh, him fired. Garland got him mad at Harris Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harris was. Uh, he was. I enjoyed Harris in that. No matter who you talked about, he would be like, "He's a piece of shit." <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> oh, what? Who? A oh, piece of shit. And, except for Jim Varney. Yeah, Varney was our. Right. Oh, Varney was the greatest comic that ever performed. Like oh, Jim Varney. Yeah, it's great. So it's so funny. You got in like as you know in the death throes. Yeah, I mean of it was, that generation. So what ha- what happens? Are you you audition for Mitzi? I just performed that night and then went back to Kansas and was like, this I'm going to move to L.A. because I got to perform at the Comedy Store in L.A. and that's obviously that's my credit. Yeah, it's my ticket. So uh, I I think I was in Kansas another six or seven months. Saw the uh, saw the the girlfriend getting yeah. fucked and then. Maybe a month later or two months later, something like that, I moved to L.A. and yeah. uh, started doing the open mic. And back then it was like- Just was, at the store. Just at the I'd do all the open mics. I did the factory where you have to wait all day. Ugh. You'd sign up at like noon. Are you doing potluck? Doing potluck. Standing online, the guys in, dressed in chef hats and garbage bags. Yep. Picking out of the bucket. Some weeks not getting a spot when you just see like- Who was eight, running at Don? Uh, no, it was uh, dude Fat James. No, I don't even know Fat James. Uh, he was the parking lot guy. Uh, he acted like big time. Was Chewy there when you were there? No, Chewy had been fired maybe two years before. Oh. But he still came around. And, Chewy in his hat and his bad blow. Yep, his yeah. his uh, his odd job look. Yeah, the and, odd uh, job. And always, everyone always says like, oh, he's a great blues guitar player. That's what people said. Yeah, I no know, idea yeah, if that's true. Yeah. He, I still would get when I worked the parking lot. I would still get people. Once looking for month, Chewy, they would come in. Hey, is Chewy here? I'd be like, No, he's not. <laughs> oh, do you know where I could find him? I'm like, You're gonna have to find Blow somewhere yeah, right. else, man. Do you have any Blow? <laughs> oh man, you know, like, I could tell you stories about this place. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear any stories, yeah. man. You can't you'll, park here. You'll hear him. <laughs> You're gonna hear all the stories about Chewy. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I, did, I did the open mic for like four months, and then yeah. Eleanor and uh, Ren Azizi and Ari Shafir, those yeah. guys, got me a. Asked me if I wanted to work the door and 
kind of explain the process. As you know, you start here as a doorman, and then you get to showcase, and then you. What you didn't get the job from Mitzi? Mitzi gave me the job, but I had to in order to get in because Mitzi wasn't watching the potluck then. She would come in, watch showcases. Like when she saw me, she said I could be a doorman. That was where I started. Like it wasn't like you know you can be a non-paid regular regular. Right, you can be a doorman. I had to. My showcase for Mitzi was to keep my doorman job. Oh, okay. So they get they gave me the job, and they're like, at some point, Mitzi's going to watch you, and yeah. if she doesn't like you, you're going to get fired, just yeah. so you know how it works. So yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And I uh, got an audition for my doorman job. There was this dude named Drew who was just awful, yeah. and uh, I got hired the same time as him, and he was such an idiot. Me and this other doorman named uh, Mark Hatchell used to just we'd give him horrible advice and really push yeah. it yeah and he would always take it yeah we were like you know what people love dogs yeah and he'd be like yeah and he'd be like so if you had the mannerisms of a dog that would make you more likable you think so <laughs> yeah man and so this dude's up there chasing his tail and stuff on stage and mitzi mitzi's there and yeah. we're like dude you got to do the dog thing tonight yeah, it's gonna be kill and so he's up there you guys haven't noticed it don't address it don't address it. just do it He's doing it, and he gets like a minute and a half into his set, and then you just, get him off the stage. <laughs> and then she fired him, and then we were like, we're kind of dicks, but <laughs> he never had a chance anyway, so. <laughs> so the night I, I showcased for her, yeah. uh, she had like eight people that she wanted to see. She came specifically to pass Ari Shafir. That was the, the point of her coming that yeah. night. Yeah. and uh, To pass the tall Jew? Yeah. He, he had showcased 20 times. Everyone said wow. he, he's the new... Gary Shandling or whatever it was, oh. that was that was the word. That but, took a turn for the wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she decided she was passing him, and she came and she passed him and Kirk Fox, and then she wanted to watch some people, and they told me you're not getting up tonight because she has this list of showcase people. I said okay, and then they came back to me. I was at the back door, and they said we can't find all these people. Basically all these people bailed cuz yeah. they didn't want to go up. Yeah. And uh and I'm like, "What? I, you told me I wasn't going up and oh. so you got to go up." Yeah. And so I went up and did my 3-minute set or whatever, yeah. to keep my doorman job. And I did the same bullshit I still do today where I go out and act like the crowd's really excited to see me right. even though they're not. Yeah. And I just hear Mitzi cackling in the back. I'm like, well, that's good. There's yeah. maybe four people in the audience. <laughs> yeah. There's like no way you can do good. <laughs> right, right. Um I did my three minutes. I got off stage, and she gave me the scary old lady finger come over here thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah, here and you go. I expected her to be like, you know, you're fired. You're yeah. terrible. Yeah. Instead, she was like, oh, you're great. You got to do more stage time. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Where are you from? <laughs> Kansas. Oh, good. Midwest. That's good. Yeah. Like, cool. <laughs> are we I done? Just, yeah, I just stood there silently like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> And then she goes, she literally goes, you can go. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I walked straight back to my doorman post. And then Duncan Trussell was the yeah. talent coordinator then. Yeah. And he comes back. He like, got my name on the wall. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, he goes, hey, man, Mitzi said you're past. And he used to fuck with me all the time. Yeah. So I just thought he was lying to yeah. me. I'm just like, okay, man. Yeah. No, that's great. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's like, I'm serious. I'm like, okay, man. And, uh, and then the next day they, they called me and said, I can put it in my avails and stuff. I'm like, really? <laughs> and I had like maybe four minutes. At that point, sure. I'd stopped doing impressions. Yeah. Because all, all my peers at the comedy store were like, dude, this shit is hacky and terrible. Never right. do this again. Yeah. And I, of course, listened to them. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. 
And so then she gave me a spot opening the show like that week on like yeah. a Thursday. And I just bombed my ass off for mm-hmm. 15 minutes just trying to stretch my four minutes the best I could. Sure. And uh, and then, yeah, bringing up Argus and he gave me the, okay, all right, bud, when you bring me up. <laughs> I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh. I remember being so concerned about getting his introduction right. What is it? It was like some, this guy syndicated syndicated Exactly right. Yeah, and everyone had told me the the one rule at the comedy store is you don't make fun of Argus. And so I was like, okay. And so I tried really hard. And then after like six months, I was like, no, you know what? (laughs) I think I'm just going to make fun of Argus. This is going to happen. Yeah. And then that that became my the drunk Argus. Yeah, then it became drunk Argus. Actually, it was just an Argus impression. Has he seen it? Yeah, and hates it. <laughs> uh, it. It was just an Argus impression. And then Johnny Carson died, and that night the impression became drunk Argus. Right. Because I showed up, and people were like, "Argus, sorry about Johnny." Well, and it was just <laughs> me, sloppy drunk, yelling about Johnny Carson and. Um, I was on there it, 26 times. It was 1986. <laughs> I was doing cocaine with Todd Bridges and a young Marky Post. And I was just trying to put together these <laughs> random connections of yeah. 80s uh, celebrities. Yeah. And it, it that was just what I did when I was not performing. I basically lived as Drunk Argus yeah. in my offstage time. And so, so then you from, and that's two thousand and two. Yeah, it was two thousand two, two thousand three. And then you just, and that's when you became a fixture. Yeah, at the store. Yeah, and, then, and you were just always, you were the guy that was always there. Because yep. I mean, I because I had that experience there myself, and I was when I first met you, I'm like, oh, he's the guy that's always here, guy. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> I, I I would I stopped basically. I worked there five or six nights a week. Yeah, so I was always there, and then. After that, once I got fired from working the door, then it was like I could go. How'd you get fired from working the door? Uh, I I didn't get my shifts covered on a last second. Uh, Paulie asked me to go on the road with him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think he was supposed to take Steve Renazizi, and Renazizi canceled because he booked a commercial or TV thing. Yeah. So Paulie called me on Wednesday and was like, dude, we're going to Charlotte, bro. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I got one of my shifts covered and the other one they wouldn't cover. And I'm like, who cares? There's yeah. no one here. I'm so. here to, but also it's that, that's the deciding moment. It's like, I'm, I'm here to be a stand-up. Yeah. yeah I'm not here to be a door guy. Yeah. I'm going to go on the road with Pauly. And it's Pauly, so obviously I'll this is going to be cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so then we were- who, was, who fired you? Who was that manager? Dean. Oh, Dean. Little ball Dean. Pauly's friend. Pauly's buddy. Yeah. Really, they couldn't work that shit out. Nope. So, so you're there, like from 2002 on. So you were there. You you witnessed the Rogan Mencia fights. Uh, yeah, I broke it up. I I wandered on stage after like 30 minutes of the Who Has a Bigger Dick contest. Yeah. Uh, D- Dean, the same guy, manager, was like, "Dude, someone's got to do something." No, and there's a bunch of comic doormen going like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it." So I, I literally I did the the hackiest shit I could think of. And I took my shirt off and I walked up on stage while they were arguing. Yeah. And in drunk Argus character, I give it up for Angel Salazar and Kippadada. <laughs> and Rogan put the mic down and just walked off like, oh, I'm not dealing with this shit. And then Mencia followed him off and then they went and fought off stage. And uh, and that was a long time brewing between those two guys. Yeah. It seems to me that when you got there, 
there was always this sort of like jockeying for for leadership like somebody said to me it's like recently like well now that rogan's gone who's gonna be the new alpha i'm like maybe it's just gonna be an egalitarian place where people work on their fucking comedy stupid right like maybe it's going back to what it was supposed to be you know people the weird thing is i think during the the history of that place people became stars but it didn't mean they had the run of the place right and you know but they kind of did you know they kind of did you know in the 70s, you know, Pryor made that place, you know, right. and, and Mitzi knew it. And Mitzi encouraged this shit. Mitzi was a troublemaker. Yeah. And she, you know, she encouraged this insanity she, sometimes. She'd let Pryor and Robin Williams and them do their shit for an hour or whatever. But it was the, the thing, it, it, and I could be wrong, but from what I've heard over the years and like, Charlie Hill used to tell me a lot of stories. I talked to him a lot about it. Well, he's got to bend the ear of some of these guys. It's a sad yeah. thing I didn't get to talk to Charlie Hill because he was like the main Native American comic, the one of the first yeah. ones that made it on television and stuff. Yeah. Nice guy. Super nice dude. A lot of weed. A lot of weed. Yeah. When I met him, he couldn't smoke anymore because of his heart. Oh. And uh, Mitzi sent me, first time in La Jolla, Mitzi sent me with Charlie Hill yeah. for Thanksgiving, Cowboys and Indians theme because mm. I was from Kansas. Right. I'm a cowboy. And when I explained to her, you know, it, that Thanksgiving is about pilgrims and Indians, but whatever. I was happy to get a, a La Jolla spot. Um, but I was nervous because I never met Charlie, and uh, I knew we were going to be staying in a condo together. And Before they redid it? Yeah, oh, the, when it was when it literally looked like furniture. A, yeah, it was like a murder scene. Uh, but it was, was just wasn't stains it that, all over that fucking wicker. wallpaper, the wicker and the wallpaper from the green room, upstairs. the jungle room. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it was disgusting. Like yeah. the carpet was right. so gross. Yeah, um, I hear it's beautiful now. But yeah, he he was it was great. He got there. And I'm just like, fuck, this dude's a lot older than me, and you know, I think I was 22 or something. Yeah. But he was awesome. Super nice. Told it's weird a lot about of that generation, like even Argus, how they can still do the job. Like, you know, like those guys that have been at it forever and are joke, primarily sort of joke tellers. Like, it's sort of astounding that, you know, that despite the way Argus looks or the fact that no one has any point of reference for him. Sure. That he kind of kills. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, it's a testament to, because it's not easy. No. And now he's like. It's it's kind of like soft republicanism, and yeah, so a little it's bit. it's almost like it, well, he, it's he, almost edgy because he plays centrist, but he's I don't know what he is. It's it's hard for me to figure out what the fuck he is. I, I just remember he always used to talk about how he is one of the last remaining Southern Democrats, right? This and is, I know that basically yeah. means Republican, yeah. But um, yeah, like a lot of his jokes now, I'm kind of like I'm. I'm not even sure what the viewpoint is. I just feel like he's yeah, I got tiptoeing that. the edge of... Yeah, I get that too. I got that with Eliza recently. That's why I lost my shit. It's yeah. like you, you just spent five minutes making fun of homeless people with no point at all right? other than to make fun of homeless people and that they're an inconvenience to you. Yeah. I mean, you can't punch down any lower than that, really. Yeah. And I'm not saying that punching down isn't funny, but not all the way down. Or <laughs> not, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I punch down sometimes, sure. but... I, to do an extended bit about it's too easy homeless people. and it's weird uh, you know it just doesn't plus feel it's right. a, it, it, you know it's a very austin comedy vibe all the austin comedians who kept complaining about all the homeless people mm. and how that's one of the things about la they all want to get away from just ignoring the fact that there's a tremendous homeless population in austin Huge. as well but good riddance to the uh, austin comics so so you got to know charlie I got to know Charlie, and he he kind of just he told me a lot about the early days. I I, I get very fascinated by places that 
kind of uh, envelop me, I suppose. Well, but the thing is, it's like you're a unique thing. I was the same way that, and not everybody's like that. And and you're sort of looked at as a weirdo yeah. that if, if that place speaks to you in some sort of way you can't understand, like if you feel like, you know, you're a part of that place, you know, going back centuries or whatever. Yeah. You, you, I don't know what that is, but I had it as well. It was just sort of like, oh, this is, I have finally found, finally found the place where I belong. Yeah, that's how I felt. And yeah. it, it was like, I've always felt odd. And I know a lot of it was growing up kind of being weird in Kansas. Yeah. Everyone there is very much in line with the, the we think of yeah. this is how you think, this is what you do. Right. And I never fit into that. And it was truly the first place I ever went where I, I, I one, I didn't feel weird. Like the people who were there were so weird. Yeah. I felt normal. Right. And that was it's like a riddle and refreshing. Effect. Yeah. It was like, like, I'm not the weirdest one here. Yeah. Like, this is odd. Yeah. I, like I, I'm a pretty normal, decent person yeah. compared to some of these monsters. <laughs> there was this dude, Jim Painter, who to this day was one of the funniest comics I ever watched. Yeah, it just truly made me laugh. All the guys of kind of my generation of comedy store people, yeah, loved him. Yeah, but he was so deranged and yeah. it was so weird and so. What happened just, to that guy? Eventually, Barris yeah. kind of started fucking with him. Yeah, and he legitimately just quit and never came back. And. Oh. I think he probably just works a normal job. Right. But I don't know how. Like, that's how weird he was. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how that guy exists in society. When I got here in 2002, I, that's when I met you and Duncan. And and he was like, oh, man, you know, you're Mark Marin. I'm like, yeah. I never. It's like, we'll get your name up. Because I was a regular. Yeah. She passed me in 1995 at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Yeah. But like, they, they hadn't written names in so long, because when they, when they painted your name up, it was the same time they painted my name up. Right. And the only reason any of us got our names up was because Kirk Fox offered to pay for all of it. He wanted his name on the building so bad that he, he asked Mitzi, he said, Mitzi, what if I pay for my name? Yeah. She said, no. He said, what if I pay for all the names? Okay. Really? Yeah. And he so paid for my name? Kirk Fox paid for, I think there was like 70 of us. Really? Whose names got put on the building because Kirk paid for it. Wow. And then after that, then it became, Mitzi then kind of started uh, kind of fading out of of uh, really kind of being in control. Day-to-day stuff. And, uh, and then they started doing it. At first, it was like every two years, they would paint more names on there. Was it the same old guy? Yeah, same dude. Yeah, he's I don't know that he now. still does it. No, but it, for at least the first five times they started painting names in my era, he yeah. was the same guy. Like there used to be a comic that used to like his pictures in the hallway. That used to be the handyman. Yeah, Greg Hilbers. Yeah, Greg, you've seen that picture? Yeah, he's got the camouflage mustache. You're like, is it there? Kind oh, of an acorn haircut. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was, was he was the handyman. He was one of the main references I would make as drunk Argus. <laughs> Greg Hilbers and Greg Eagles, myself. And a young, and it's always so, Henry Lee Reeves or whatever uh, it was. You just pull it from the pictures. Yeah, that's when all I it was. was there, man. All those people were kind of still around. Wow. You know, like I would see like Joey Kamen. Okay. I would see um, Karen uh, Karen Haber, Karen Bobbitt. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would see uh, like um, Damon Wayans was around a lot. Uh, Jan Hart. Um, okay. you know, Rick Wright, yeah, uh, Johnny Dark, uh, Jack Purdue, Tim Jones, they were all 
Yeah, Blake Clark. Blake Clark I, was still working. I, I I love Blake Clark. Me too. But yeah, the, but they were all still hanging on. Jeff Altman was there all the time. He uh, was still there when Steve I was Odenkirk. there. Steve Odenkirk. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, you know, uh, like those. You know, those were the shows. Um, Harry Basil yep. was still doing comedy. Like this was what I was watching. Yeah, you know, Fleischer would come in. Yeah, um, that's what it, oh, Mooney was on all the time. Mooney, at, uh, Bob Abravaya was Abra- Robert William Abravaya. Yeah, Bob Abravaya. Yeah, he would be around talking to himself. I, one one night, uh, my twenty fifth birthday, I got hammered with Robin Williams at the comedy store. And I didn't, you were the one. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that he had been sober yeah. or whatever. And he, you did it. He later told me that he had been drinking for like a couple of months at that oh, point. Yeah, but I got smashed with him. Yeah, and I just thought it was cool. I'm like, oh, this guy is a legend. I'm yeah, getting yeah. wasted. Same thing. Drunk argusting him, yeah. him loving it, yeah, yeah. improvising with that. And, yeah. Um, he must have loved you. He was loving it. Yeah, he, he, he loved told, to play because he put, did he did he duel drunk Argus with you? No, no, he would just he played a version of himself trying to calm drunk Argus down. And my thing was, I would just go through his entire resume yeah. and tell him how none of it was going to work. Yeah, this TV show about a damn alien. No one's buying that crap. He's like, it was actually really popular, Argus. <laughs> no one wants to see that. Leave it on Happy Days. Uh, August, listen, it was actually really popular and it ended a long time ago. What, the Cadillac, man. No one wants to watch that. And uh, and then he, his thing was, he was like, what, what's so funny about this is imagine someone is the teacher's pet at yeah. your school yeah. and, and everyone kind of resents him. And then you go away for 25 years and you come back and there's someone you don't know just mocking that teacher's pet. He's like, it's almost enjoyable in a weird, <laughs> twisted way. And the funny thing is, is that he's still the teacher's pet to her spirit. Dead, yeah. Yeah. Still got spots. As I and sometimes no one's going to no gonna fucking stop it. No. Because Peter won't let him, right? Because Peter's just like, yeah, whatever. He did his time. He made mom happy, I guess. But it's so he's the only one, though. I know. So at the end of the night, though, Robin, we're standing in the hallway just drunk, and he's like, telling me how much fun he had yeah. and how you know made him feel young yeah and, like back in the day and i'm just like this is really cool yeah he, he likes me he yeah. thinks i'm making his life fun yeah and then robert william apravaya goes on stage and he's like what the fuck he goes i was here 20 years ago and this guy was wandering around <laughs> i go well he's worse Oh, 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 lemon jello. this guy's rambling on stage oh. about jay leno conspiracies yeah. and yeah yeah it wow! Was, but yeah, I just remember the being constant. Like, yeah, this yeah. Guy, he's he's been here for decades. Yeah, creeping people out. Yeah, I still feel like I'm part of that place. Like there, were, like last year before the the pandemic, so I wouldn't hang around at night, you know, because I just it was not my life anymore. But like now that every, like all the fucking you know, uh, you know swinging dicks are gone, it actually feels nice to be in the hallway. Yeah, and to be, I like it. I remember one time I was back in the hallways, like before the pandemic, and Lou Dinos come in, you know, and nobody knows that guy. Yeah, but I, I didn't really know him, but I knew of him, and I'd met him before. You know, he was like, you know, Lou Dino was like one of Dice's guys, I think, briefly, and he was, you know, he was a guy, right? And you know, like these people, I always love when they come in, and they kind of like 
they're amazed that the place sort of still looks the same, but they don't know anybody. Right. So when you go like, hey, Ludino, they're like, oh, they light up. They get so excited. Right. That someone knows yeah. they exist. Right. Yeah. I, Greg Hilber, same thing. Yeah. I saw him at the store. They kind of, sometimes they'll just, they literally kind of manifest out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. In their old, their, their current selves. They're old. Yeah. I saw Hilbers one night. Uh, he, I think he was doing Argus's basement oh is that what he was there for it must have been the same night yeah because him and bruce Baum were both oh bruce were both there and i I just remember being like i I saw him i'm like is that the dude and then i asked him i'm like who's that i don't know some old comic yeah and so i went down uh to see what they were filming or whatever argus was doing someone was like yeah oh do you know greg and i'm like i knew it yeah, I recognize (laughs) him just from the the ghost (laughs) the photo so so tommy's the guy in charge. Tommy's for, running things. For the most of your tenure early on. Yeah. And he's giving like half hour spots to Caparulo and to Rogan, which seemed yep. unorthodox to me. Yeah. And everyone just was okay with it. And basically every night, Eddie Griffin would come in at like oh, no. 1130. And nobody's there. No one's there. No audience. No audience. It's the dark time. Yeah. The dark years. So these guys like Eddie are coming in thinking like, wait, wait, let's go. Let's go to the store. Yeah. And he's br- he usually would bring a crew of like three or four guys yeah. with him. And he would go in the, he'd literally just walk into the walk-in freezer and take a bottle of champagne yeah. out and yeah. start drinking it. Yeah. And at like midnight, he would go on stage and then he would he would ramble on. Nobody there. No one there. There'd be like, there'd be as many people in his crew as there was in the audience. Wow. And he would ramble on for like three hours. Wow. I'm smart. I went to Harvard and Yale. And I'm like looking it up. I'm like, he didn't didn't (laughs) go to college at all. Why would you? Yeah. Uh, It always blew me away when people lie about their history in modern day, which is like, we we can literally check all that. But no, it's like, but like just the. Like when that place gets untethered, like imagine when she started to drift. It's my belief that once she started to drift, you know the pl- the place was losing its life force. Yeah. But Tommy had the run of the place, and he was like, "It was." I used to say, "Like it's like, is she even alive?" Yeah. Like he used to come up to me and go, "Mitzi, what he wants you have the fourth spot." I'm like, "It's it's like the Bates house." Yeah. I mean, he, he would. It was. We all believed that there was a weekend at Bernie's scenario going on right. for a solid five or six years. Yeah. Because he'd always do the same thing. Well, you know, Mitzi said the, the kid from Kansas. That's how she refers to you. Yeah. Like, no, it isn't. Yeah. And he used to do it to everyone. And one night, Holtzman flipped out on him. And he was like, well, you know, Mitzi said this. And Holtzman's like, I was at her house today. She didn't say that. He starts screaming at him at the front cover booth. And was the, he at her house today? Yeah. Holtzman yeah. had gone over and visited her. Yeah. So he knew that everything Tommy was saying yeah. was utter bullshit. Yeah. But it was just Tommy truly believed that she spoke through him without having to speak to him. Right. And it was like this weird, like he he felt possessed. It was like right. Steve Martin and all was he, of Was me. he writing in her handwriting too? <laughs> Probably. Like I remember, I remember well, she used to write all the schedules. But- um. Yeah, so he was in charge, and and when he took over talent coordinator from Duncan, fr- from Duncan, it yeah. was a hundred percent based on Paulie was making that fake reality show, minding the store. Yeah, and he wanted there to be a talent coordinator character that mm. he could abuse, basically. Yeah, and Duncan was like, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> yeah, and so Tommy fell into the role. What was he doing? How did he get the? Where he was, was he? He was the he was a phone guy. Oh. A couple days a week, and he worked the cover booth three oh. nights a week. 
And that's where he started. And that was literally all he did. Yeah. And he would just sit in the cover booth, at this point not a talent coordinator, and still tell everyone, well, you know, I'm I'm one of the funniest people here. I yeah. choose not to go on stage. Oh, right. And he'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm just checking yeah. in. And Put no, my name on the list. No audiences. Dark no times. audiences. Yeah. And so but, what the one thing Tommy did that I thought was good was he really started trying to um, just, I guess, push out some of the element of the leftovers from the the 90s who right. weren't who weren't making an effort then it was basically like Rogan was basically the only name who would he would do like an hour in the middle yeah. of the show right and that was just kind of the way it was yeah and then uh you know he'd put in Sebastians and Caparillos those guys started kind of being the the meat of the right lineup uh Brett Ernst Maz Jabrani. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Brett Ernst around. I think he moved away. Hmm. I think he moved away like four or five years ago. He moved to Ohio or something. Out of the business. I, I think he just does road gigs now. He's on Cobra Kai. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think he yeah. He got married or whatever. Uh-huh. I believe that's what, what happened to him. But yeah, they those were the guys who basically, and the lineup was basically the same Yeah, every night. And then Rogan was like super aggressive then i don't know if he was not smoking pot yet or what what the deal was but it was like it was way more yeah aggressive right and he would fight with people a lot in the crowd yeah i remember there was a lot of like when choking I, people out on the patio uh, threats yeah. to do so right and he always had like the mma guys with him right um but yeah it was it was Way more aggressive. And I, maybe he just got more famous and just didn't want to deal with people. I think he made a choice but to it, be better. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was- uh, Pot, it, I think, made a difference. I do, too. I, yeah. I, like, it, it, went, it went super mellow in comparison. To, yeah, it's just like, it, I mean, that place, you know, it's- there was a period there where it was sort of like gang ridden. Yeah. Before you were there. The late nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties. You know, where it was people shooting and guns. Yeah. It, like, it, like it's weird how Tupac and people were hanging just out and let, fighting. Let things take over, you yeah. know, forces. But then all of a sudden she was no longer a force and Tommy was doing his number. And I had to kiss Tommy's ass because when I got back to LA in two thousand and two, I had no traction. No one gave a fuck about me. And I was running around trying to do alt rooms and you know, I just wanted to be, it took me a long time. When I finally got comfortable in the OR, it was such a huge day for me to 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 finally, and that was, you know, in 2003 or four, where like I was getting spots, Tommy was giving me, I was getting the respect I deserved as a guy who was a professional comedian. And, and there, like yeah. part of that place. But like, you know, I was still terrified to go on, you know, do, do you know when you start going doing the OR and you're like, I can't see anybody. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just floating. Who up am here. I talking <laughs> to? Yeah, am I, is there even anyone listening? <laughs> yeah, I, I I had many nights going through that psychological. But once you don't give a fuck, what a great room. Yeah, it's about my favorite. I don't. I it's do. ridiculous that they still only pay twenty dollars for it, but yeah. at the same time, in terms of. Just a good comedy room. Yeah, it's only, it's Low a, ceiling, everything's just to, dark. All of a sudden, and, not be afraid of those rooms was such a huge thing for me. Like, there's still so much of me that lives at that place. Like, now that, like, all the fuck, like, now, you know, all the people that were just cowering in cracks and crevices are now sort of like, hey, we can talk in the hallway. You know, like, Raheem. Right. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, you know, people are hanging around, like, yeah. nice people, excited uh, to do it. It's like, oh, my God. I honestly <laughs> love the crew that's there it's now. It's great. Since we, since the COVID. The sweep. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> since the sweep. And it's awesome. It, it, like, it, it's the first time in probably 10 years that I enjoy off stage. Yeah. As much as I, not as much, but close to as as close as can it, be it to just, the it, on stage feeling. It feels sweet. It feels like there's people like excited to do the work. Yeah. You know, and to and to sort of like and I I what is, what is your job there now? Do you have a job on the inside or are you just doing stand up? I just do stand up. Oh. I, I have a podcast I started doing at the store that's part of like they're starting their own podcast. Didn't I network. do it? Uh, that was the old one I did. Oh. We're, we're talking about bringing that back. That's just the Comedy Store podcast. Right. And now you I, and Eleanor. Me and Eleanor, yeah. yeah. And now I'm doing one uh, with Sarah Tiana where it basically influenced off of crowd work where she just brings in normal people Oh, and I basically crowd work them for 20 minutes. When, but, when did you realize that that was going to be your thing? Um, There was a, a comic named uh, Freddie Soto yeah. who passed in the mid two thousands and uh he he was he was like one of the bigger names yeah um kind of up and coming guys when i was working there i remember I doing a latino it. guy yeah and very funny people guy. loved him and uh he watched he'd watch me some nights just because he was hanging out yeah and, uh he would always he'd always tell me always it was like three conversations but he would be like you're way funnier than you are on stage. And I was just doing straight jokes. Yeah. You know, this right. is happening and blah, blah, blah. Right. It was like last comic standing yeah. style. Right. Obvious jokes. And he'd just be like, dude, you're funny off stage. Yeah. You got to figure this out. Yeah. The, I, the robot you are on stage is not who you are. It's and, so hard because I've told people that and, and most people can't really hear it. They don't know what to do with it. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of people like that. It's like, you know, what are you doing up there? Yeah. You're, uh, like, yeah, you're making up a thing that is like not serving who you really are. Yeah, you're, they're not l getting anything about you. Yeah, and it's not it's not like it's doing so well that yeah. you're like, oh, this is what I have to do. It's like yeah. you're doing mediocre at best. And well, now like there's no, no so truth to it. So that's when he started to. So he just he was like, even if you got to start going up there with no plan and just trying to figure out who you are, then do it. Then do it. Wow. And so I started doing that you got more. hooked on it? Yeah. And then it was like the rush of like, because yeah, yeah. when I started comedy, I didn't realize that people do the same shtick every night. Uh, and I should have known that. Yeah. But- We all, you, even you, you got to repeat a few things. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah of course. Now I do, I would say half, half of my half. set is yeah, yeah. probably material. But the material I do feels authentic to me. Yeah. Because you can throw it in any time. Yeah. And yeah. it comes from something that- I probably developed from talking to a crowd, right? Or, um, but it just feels genuine to me. Like when I get off stage, you don't I don't know feel when like it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, there's sort of like, like, because like I have bits. Like I've been doing it so long, I know that you know I did three or four fucking CDs and specials before anyone knew who I was. Right. So there's this weird resource, yeah, of bits and pieces that kind of drop in occasionally. I'm like, that's that's okay. I, no one knows that joke. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I remember when you first started showing up, yeah. just being like, uh, yeah, I, I guess he was around. Someone told me like, yeah, he, he was around in like the Kinnison cocaine yeah, days. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then uh, a girl that I knew from college was out visiting. And we were hanging out at the comedy yeah. store, and you walked by, and she was like, is that Mark Marin?" And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, man. She talked about your radio show or something. Oh, yeah. And, and how, how great it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh. And then <laughs> the the girl's super cool. So yeah. girl I, I knew whose opinion of funny things and movies and stuff right. I liked. And yeah. so I'm like, 
Oh, Marin must be cool. <laughs> Passed her test. But, I, but other than that, I honestly didn't no, know that no, much about yeah, you. So. Well, that's, I was thinking about that last night because I almost brought it on stage last night. I was going to, you know, and for, like some nights I'm just sort of like, I still get this thing where, like I've I've gotten, like I just right when the pandemic lifted, I'm like, I'm going every night, I got to work out. And yeah. I, I went and plowed through an hour and a half last week at Fantasy at Dynasty Typewriter, but then like last night, I'm like, I'm not feeling it, man. And like this crowd's really good, and it makes me hate them. And yeah, you know, like and uh, and I was gonna go I, I, and Segura was on, but like it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like his crew. It wasn't. Yeah, it was just a good crowd. Yeah, crowds have been been pretty good. Yeah, and I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go fuck this up. And I just started thinking about how like. Um, like I'm like I'm relieved to be a guy that just kind of plugs along. Like you know what I mean? It's like I never got the type of success where a, a, a large swath of the country would be disappointed with my next special. Right? Do you know like the the weight of me is not competing with me? There's a lot fewer of them, and there's more of the like, who the fuck is this guy? Right? There's still most people are still like I don't. I think I've seen this guy. You can exist. Yeah. In the world, work. yeah, yeah, you can work shit out. People so, aren't like, oh, it's not like if you watch Chris Rock not have a great set. It does it on purpose, though. Yeah, it's like if you watch Chris Rock in a club, you're being used, right, to just see if the mathematics of his jokes work. Sure, he's just he's just gonna sleep through his jokes. Yeah, and then when he has to do them for real money, he will turn on. He'll the turn juice. it up yeah. for sure. Yeah, but um, does the skeleton work? And then <laughs> exactly. add the body. Yeah, right. And I get that. Yeah, that's working out. Like I've been, I've actually been doing like you know legit jokes lately. A few of them, I get bored with them so quickly. Yeah, and like I wrote this joke about how you saw that one about like my cats are acting weird. Yeah, I think there's going to be an economic collapse. Yeah, and that's that's to me is like, funny. That's a great yeah, joke. It know? is, but, but I'm tired of it. You're already, you're already burned yeah, out. I can't sell it. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we do this. I just, you know what I mean? I, what I think is funny is uh, you. You're doing a, a a bit now. I won't do the whole yeah. bit, obviously, but it's about people having kids oh, yeah, and how yeah. you have cats. Yeah, and, and the differences. And I, when I follow you, I'm standing in the back like, "Fuck, I had a kid during the pandemic." <laughs> oh, but you're the you're the guy. Yeah, and then I'm like, "God, God damn it!" I don't always put that in there. And then he said something about something about having to put your cat down. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, "Oh, thank God, I had to put my dog down during yeah. the pandemic too." So I'm I'm both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> it's not personal. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I don't take it as a personal attack. I just when I watch the crowd love that bit, I'm like, yeah, yeah. fuck. That's what I was noticing too. It's like you know, some you know, you're the stuff that you're doing that's like political or or motivated by you know anger and real social criticism. There's more of that. Yeah, and there's more lines about it, and they're solid. And you kind of slip them in, you know, in the middle of the reverie. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Sort of, I love that because people are like, what? What just? In the, what did you just? And then boom, you're onto the next thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, I'm, but I'm I trying. feel it. I feel the the focused anger is good. Yeah, I I honestly feel like, you know, I've been doing comedy for 21 years now. I've been in L.A. for 19 years doing comedy all the time. Yeah, and I've never had any level of success to where I can take time off. Right, and so I I, I never would have felt comfortable doing it, but being forced to do it, I honestly feel like it really helped me for a solid four or five months or it's like i just needed to depressurize yeah. from doing it and then after that then i started getting super antsy about it where i'm like all right well now i'm my brain feels rested 
And oh, I, that's weird because I felt like I'm not going to do it anymore. Really? I, yeah, I don't miss it at all. And maybe I'm better. That's really what I thought. Of. <laughs> I think I'm all better. Yeah, no, maybe six months. That's how I was. I'm just like, this is good. And yeah. after that, I'm like, fuck, I got to do and something. And you had a baby. Yeah. I have and two, you have a wife. I have two kids. Yeah. You have two kids? Yep. And uh, yeah, met my wife at the comedy store. How's it going? It's good. Yeah. How, what does she do? Uh, she's a journalist. Okay. She's a writer. She was a Reuters correspondent. And, oh, okay. And you guys are holding up? Yeah. Got health insurance and everything? Yeah, man. She's okay. she's a legit adult. It's oh, really? pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, yeah, she's cool. She uh, She's Israeli, so she you know doesn't have American- Wild. Keeping you in line? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she definitely is. You know, uh, fucking Luke Schwartz, he's like, I got married. I'm like, yeah, to a doctor. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I, when he got married, I was saying, I'm like, wait, that guy has a girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Got married to like uh, someone with a real life. But he's like, he's one of those good kids. Yeah. He's a good kid. Like, you know, like it's like, uh, I used to see people like, I remember when I, when I first met Esther Pavitsky, you know, and she was just sort of trying to figure out where she belonged. And I was literally like, don't go to the store. Yeah. It's going to ruin you. Yeah. You're, little yeah, Esther is not. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, why not just take care of, you know, who you are? Cause that place is going to be in there. But she did all right. She stuck it out. Yeah. 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 I always advise people like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where were you in 2004 when I needed that, Mark? <laughs> I was there. I would have told you, you. If you would have just told me. I told fucking Duncan Trussell. I'm like, you don't want to be a satellite comic. Get out from under Joe. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, he remembers that. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't quite happen too Not, quickly. Yeah. Because he's one of the guys that built Joe. Yeah. Like he gave, like him and Diaz gave Joe, who fundamentally was not a drug guy, the yeah. sort of that side of him. Like, For sure. Know, you know, that the mellow out and yeah. alter your mind. And uh, yeah, there's a big chunk of uh, Trussell perception in that Joe implanted. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Love Duncan. Duncan is great. He's one of the most genuine and bizarre human beings I've ever met, but <laughs> yeah. has like a truly good essence. Yeah, yeah. He's where you're just like, wow, guy. this is a good dude. He's a good guy. And he's great. He's one of the funnest people to make laugh. Yeah. Because he'll fuck. He'll uh, cackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Duncan's great. Yeah. He was, like I said, when I started, and again, I remember being kind of like irritated by it. Yeah. But having been a part of that place for so long yeah. now, now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'm a 21-year-old kid who shows up. Yeah. And I'm talking shit to people. Yeah. Like, I just remember being such, I remember at one point, Paulie pulled me aside while I was talking shit to some old paid regular. Yeah. And he's like. Dude, what are you doing? Yeah. There's this guy named Jeremy Dingle. I don't even know that guy. And yeah. He did this weird, you know, he had an audio track that he yeah. played and, you know, he acted out sound effects and shit. Sure. And so one night he was there and I just started ripping into him. Just being- To his face? To his face. Wow. And just being like, yeah, why don't you go up there and do some fucking sound effects, man? Oh, Whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, trying yeah. to show yeah, I, yeah. I have a big dick. The brittle swagger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just like no one laughing, everyone yeah, just kind of yeah, looking yeah, at me yeah. like, why did we hire that douchebag? <laughs> yeah. And Polly being like, dude, you got to yeah, stop yeah. that. I've, even, I've grown to love Polly, really. Polly's a lot cooler than he used to be. It's just like, you know, he finally is completely self-aware in some way. Yeah, like he does uh, yeah. self-deprecating jokes. But it, I like how he's like, I used to be the weasel, and then by the end of the 15, he is the yeah. weasel yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like that's who i am totally grows there yeah yeah he uh he used to be such a douche to me that like i had this resentment for the longest time it's, it's so like, it's so impotent now what, like like he can't he can't manage it anymore i remember giving him a line yeah 
when I was on the road with him and him being like, dude, that's not funny. But it was like a self-deprecating joke. Yeah. But it was 2003 and he wasn't far enough away from being in movies sure. to where he was ready to... Oh yeah, and he also thought himself. he was. He also was. He saw his future as being the, the king of that place. Yeah, and that all, that whole. Someone's got to write that fucking book. Yeah, if anyone cares, I'm just so happy. Everybody, the people that love the place, love it, and they work. Like even Jeselnik has come around. Yeah, I remember the, years ago I said to him, I said like, what if, like they can't. They can't sell this place. He's like, well, it's just another fucking room. And now he's sort of like born again cop. Yeah. He's like, I love this place. He's a dude that, one of, he's one of the guys that I've talked about with like, who's the alpha? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It, to me, it honestly feels like now there's a bunch of what the alphas would consider betas. Right. But we just respect each other. Right. Which is yeah. an amazing yeah. vibe. No, it's, it's just like, about the work. Yeah. It's not about like, you know, this fucking weird energy that has to pervade everything, you know? Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, that was fun. Thanks, man. Did we cover it all. I think there's more. We, we've there's yeah, more. we barely own. dented. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've yeah. there's so we do. There, what about more Tommy stuff, dude? We're we're only to 2006, <laughs> so uh, we'll pick it up another time. Yeah. All right, I'll talk to you. Tonight, I appreciate probably. it, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Rick Ingram. You can listen to him on the Comedy Store podcast, and you can see him at the Comedy Store almost any night that they're open. Here comes the noodling. Here it comes. Fonda, cat angels everywhere. <laughs>